What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty here to introduce this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt and I, great rip. I must admit that audio video issues on my side. I fucked up. I fucked up, freaks. I fucked up. It's hard. I knew it was going to happen. I said, hey, I'm going to fix the audio video problems that we have on this podcast. We've been around for three and a half years, almost four years now. We're going to legitimize the operation. We bought a bunch of equipment, new mic, new... Uh, I don't even know what to call this thing, the Roadcaster Pro. It lets me check my levels and make sure the sound's sounding good. I've got a new camera, a new fucking computer, monitor, the whole nine yards, and feels like the audio issues are only getting worse. I'm sorry, especially if we try to do it live. Uh, so there was, yeah, it was like an interruption, but don't worry, you guys listening on podcast apps, hopefully the, the interruption will be minimal because I'm going to edit it. Edit it out, but if you were listening live and re-listening now, thank you, number one. And number two, I'd like to say sorry um, for, for the poor quality of the product. And the product's supposed to be getting better over time, and um, due to your Uncle Marty being being a, a boomer living in a millennial's body, still hasn't been able to figure it out. Don't know what's going on. Hope we figure it out. I think we're going to figure it out. I'm going to work hard. Try to reverse the juju on Twitter earlier today by saying we're never going to fix this problem we're never going to fix it we're never going to fix it just get used to it hopefully you guys stick around uh, and continue listening to the podcast <laughs> if if you do so make sure you're giving us a rate review a follow a subscription a recommendation to a friend or a family member looking to learn about bitcoin we'll take whatever we can get at this point um, considering the state of the audio visual quality of the podcast i'm sorry i'm burping i'm burping bob darst oh the burping murdered a bunch of people and then he burped when he when he got confronted i didn't murder anybody i'm just burping because i'm nervous right now not because i murdered somebody but because like i'm trying to own up to our our audio visual problems i i am sorry i'm sorry this episode is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking cash up you freaks already know all about them if you don't know about them let me tell you about them i was just in uh twitter's new spaces uh disclaimer cash app sponsor of this pod twitter uh, has the same CEO as Square, which owns Cash App, um, but was just on Twitter Spaces. I guess they're trying to create a clubhouse-like product. And Pat McAfee, the football player, asked me, "Hey, like, do you have to buy a whole Bitcoin? Like, what are the smallest units of Bitcoin if I want to go to the gas station and and buy uh, some some Cinnabons with Bitcoin? Do I have to like spend a whole Bitcoin? What are, what are the denominations? They're Sats, Satoshi's. Each Bitcoin has a hundred million Sats in it." You don't have to stack a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to spend $48,000 in a Bitcoin. You can stack sats. You can spend a dollar. And Cash App allows you to do that. You can stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats if you so please. They've also made a P2P sats sending function in the app. So you no longer have to send dollars only to people via Cash App. You can send sats as well if you want to. Uh, On top of that, you can DCA in the sats. What's DCA? Dollar cost average. You can buy a certain amount of sats per day, per week, or every two weeks. If you want to buy $20 a day, you can do that via the Cash App. They have their boost program, which sometimes allows you to get sats back. You go use your boost card wherever Visa is accepted, and you'll get some sats back up to a certain limit. If you guys are using the app, make sure you're you're cognizant of the withdrawal limits. Make sure that you're you're not stacking too much to the point where you're not going to be able to get it off the app. If you're if you get up to the two thousand five thousand dollar limits, make sure you're sweeping it to to wallet that you own. 
If you haven't downloaded the Cash App yet, make sure you do so by using the code Stacking Sats. That's S T A C K I N G S A T S. You're going to get $2, $2, excuse me, $10. And $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. This episode is also brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. You freaks already know all about them, but if you don't know about them, I'm not going to do the same thing that I did for the last episode. Unchained Capital is like the creme de la creme of the space when it comes to education and building products uh, with a security-first mindset using Bitcoin's native properties. And so what we're talking about today is uh, Unchained Capital's concierge service, their white glove concierge, concierge service at that. They're going to take you from zero to having Bitcoin in a multi-sig vault in no time. Uh, that is their product. Their, their vault product is a product in which you set up a two or three multi-sig quorum. You hold two keys. Unchained holds one. You can always move your UTXs out of the vault when you please by yourself. But if you're ever in a pinch and you only have one key, you need Unchained there to sign the, t- the second of three keys in that quorum. They are there for you. They will do that. Um, and so uh, Unchained wants to onboard people directly to the vaults, directly to multi-sig custody, uh, and they have a package that's uh, directly catered to you freaks that want to go from zero to having a multi-sig setup. Uh, if you tell them that TFTC sent you, it's going to drop from a $1,500 package to a $1,450 package. What you're going to get is multiple uh, video calls with the Unchained team. They're going to walk you through how to set up a multi-sig vault, why you should want to set up a multi-sig vault. They're going to get you hardware wallets, get you comfortable with creating seeds and protecting those seeds. Then when you're finally comfortable with how multi-sig works, uh, how the vaults work, particularly how uh, your wallets work and how you sign uh, signatures to move your Bitcoin, they're going to dump, they're going to set up a vault, number one, and they're going to dump $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in it. So go check them out, www.unchained-capital.com. They've got an incredible blog series, Parker Lewis, Phil Geiger, Drew Bonsall, Joe Kelly, uh, Buck Purley writing incredible content about Bitcoin, why it's important, how you can use it, how you should think about it moving into the future. Just all around great product, great team, great people, great service, great vibes. Great vibes. Check out the, the Wake Love Concierge Service link in the show notes. And last but not least, our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle have a new non custodial Bitcoin backed lending platform that is available to US users because it is peer to peer lending and borrowing with with no third party. Like there's no, it's, it's non-custodial. Again, they're, they're leveraging multi-sig as well. Uh, it's available globally, anonymously, and on your own terms. If you're short of funds, you don't need to sell your Bitcoins. Get some liquidity by borrowing, using your Bitcoin as collateral. And the great thing is you don't need to entrust someone with your funds. Again, they're leveraging multi-sig as well. So your collateral always remains locked in escrow and you control a key to it. If you're a stable coin guy or girl and you have some stable coins lying around for some reason, I don't know why you would. Uh, actually, I know why some people would, but like I don't mess with stable coins, so it's like interesting for me. But if you do have stable coins uh, and you're looking to earn some returns on those, they have their landed hodl hodl product, which allows you to offer up your stable coins uh, for loans to, to get a yield on that. So go create your own offers to these non-custodial uh, or go get your 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 loans using HODL, your non-custodial HODL HODL setup uh, at lend.hodlhodl.com. It's lend.hodlhodl.com. 
incredible team over at Huddle Huddle as well. Leveraging the native properties as Bitcoin. This is what we like to see here at TFTC. All right, go check it all out, freaks. Love all y'all. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. It's your boys a party of Matt. Sitting down, Matt is a mountain man. You're really, really living the, the mountain man stereotype. Vitalik Buterin would be proud of you. I, I hope it triggers him. I spent uh, I spent the last eight hours uh, trying to clear ice from the satellite so that I could actually do the show. And I want you freaks to know that the dedication is real. The show must go on and made it happen. Show must go on. Your your strategy was a little perplexing to me. You were throwing water on the ice. Boiling water. How does this work? Boiling water. Boiling water. Yeah. You got to time that up, right? I just kept heating. I was just heating pots and pots of water. I had like three different pots going. That was my whole morning was just throwing boiling water on this thing. It's boiling water. Uh, boiling the ocean is a big, uh, big topic and... In the news this week, it seems to never go away. Uh, let me pull up Clark's dashboard. Ooh, I should probably... I haven't even looked at the shout-outs yet this week. If I remember correctly, I think there's a juicy one for you. Find out. Um, current price of Bitcoin is $49,925. Cuck buck. It's going a little bit longer than it did last week. I'm going to get 2,003 sats per cuck buck. The, the Bitcoin market cap is under a trillion dollars. At nine hundred thirty point five billion, we're at block height six hundred seventy-two thousand one hundred sixty-seven. There have been eighteen million six hundred thirty-eight thousand four hundred fifty-five point one one Bitcoin distributed to the market already. That is eighty-eight point seven five percent of every Bitcoin that will ever exist. Eighty-eight point seven five percent of the twenty-one million pork slap. Wow, haven't seen a pork slap in a minute. I know. Let's go. I got some nostalgia when I saw it. I've got a, uh, I've got a Russian River Valley Chardonnay. Drinking some white wine, basic bitching it today. Davis Bynum, 2016, good vintage. Pour myself a little glass here. Uh, drinking wine on a 2 p.m. <laughs> on a two, on a Thursday feels good. Feels good. Cheers to you, 50K sir. 50k Marty drinking white wine <laughs> on a 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. I'll put my pinkies up. I'll put my pinkies up before we get into everything. Ah, what a week, man. What a week. It's, uh, we got a lot to talk about. A lot of FUD being debunked. A lot of good fundamentals. We had a price dip uh, this week. But before we get into that, like, how how you doing? How you feeling? How are your vibes? The, that picture that American Hoddle shared earlier today really really uh, hit, hit hit me in the feels. Flashing back to that, that particular interview. Did we know he was taking that picture when we took it? Did I put my hand down to cover no. my face? Or was I just... I don't think so. I think he caught you in a moment. Very genuine. I liked how someone, uh, people brought up that I that I had the shitty mic. Freaks. I had the shitty mic for like 150 hours of TFTC, okay? There was like a year and a half where I had to hold my own mic before I actually got a stand to, to use. Well, hey, 
Same with me. Well, no, in that in that video, you got your nice yeah, we, setup. You got that nice setup going. This actually, this used to be your mic. Well, because when we would have a guest, we would do uh, you would co-host the interviews with me. We we'd be kind to the guest and we give the guest the good mic and give you the shitty mic. Just being good hosts. We there, couldn't. Is the way I look at I that. I mean, you can't trust American Hoddle to hold a mic. Like the guy can never pull that off. No, no, it's too much. Too much. All he can do is stack sets. <laughs> and and mean. I'm trying to pull up the, the shout outs. You, you speak to me while I, while um, I mean, this week has been fucking lit. I was like, when I was putting this list together, like I didn't really realize exactly how crazy it's been. I mean, RHR last week, we speculated that the micro strategy purchase was going to be over a billion dollars. Um, literally like, I guess like eight hours, six, seven hours after we recorded, it was released that it was over a billion. Uh, since then, he actually did his purchase. You know, he usually does this in three steps. He announces that he's going to take out debt. Um, then he announces that he's taking out more debt than he originally announced. Then he announces that he purchased. It's like a three-step process. He finished the third step. Um, and and that feels like that was just a decade ago uh, with all the other news that came out. I mean, um, it's just, it's, meanwhile, people were, you know, we had all the Bitcoin haters um, we had, we had a, a massive down day, a double digit down day, uh, which was the day of Citadel dispatch, um, down like 13%, big, all the Bitcoin deniers coming out of the woodwork saying that Bitcoin's dead while it's trading at $48,000 on the seven year anniversary of Gox, you know, like, fuck you. Like there's no way right. Bitcoin has failed at $48,000. Who the fuck do you think you are? And then another big thing was right. crypto watch added that feature where you can put tweets now directly on the on the charts so we can we can fully shame the bitcoin deniers and their bad takes and put it on a nice nice chart that shows how wrong they were yeah someone someone shared a, a tweet from paul kriegman with me in private using that that chart tool of like him calling bitcoin evil in 2012 2013 just like the price going parabolic after that sweet justice to these keynesian idiots paul krugman you ever want to come on the pod and try to give your case for why we should continue uh, down the path of, of monetary easing and easy monetary policy that's been uh, employed by the central banks and the treasury uh, up to this point? Invite is open. I hope you're watching. When you're when you're charting when you're charting Bitcoin for your own purposes, you should always use log scale because it's an exponential adoption is happening. But uh, if if we're trying to shame Bitcoin deniers, make sure that you use linear so it, it really looks crazy. Yes. Yeah, you, you have to, it has to be potent salt and the, and the linear uh, scale chart is, is much more potent than the Way log, more provocative. Log chart. Uh, and it, yeah, and it was funny that uh, that same day we had the crash and all the, uh, all the creatures were crawling out of the, the woodwork to say that Bitcoin was dead. Like the fundamental news uh, the course of that 36 hours was pretty significant. Like you mentioned, Sailor finished his purchase and announced it, oversubscribed, stacked a, a whole bunch more sats. Uh, Square had their quarterly call, disclaimer, sponsored the pod. Uh, they uh, they uh, had like an epic 2020. I believe they had something like $4 billion in like sales, but like revenue created like one point. Let me look. Well, the the big number for me was a twofold. First of all, they bought another $170 million worth of Bitcoin, which is just hilarious because uh, it, it seems so small in comparison to MicroStrategy. Like that's all you're going to fucking buy. Uh, I mean, our, our boy, our, more Bitcoin than Coinbase. Our boy Ben Kaufman was like, 
Um, what are you short Bitcoin? You only have you have ninety five percent of your reserves in cash. Like what the fuck's going on? Um, yeah, Coinbase has even less. Uh, I think they were at one hundred and thirty million. But the big numbers for me out of the Cash App thing, um, the Cash App uh, quarterly earnings was three million customers uh, bought Bitcoin this year through Cash App, um, and one million of those customers were first time Bitcoin buyers. Um, that was like the first time we really got hard numbers on an exchange. Um, and then of course, Coinbase has since filed public today and we got insane hard numbers from them. We got everything. Um, and with them, they say they have 43 million, uh, verified users. So, but, but out of those users, um, 2.8 million are monthly transacting users, which means over the last 28 days, they bought Bitcoin. Um, so actually Cash App doesn't seem that far away from Coinbase, which is kind of surprising to me. But also at the same time, that 43 million number is way higher than I would have expected um, in terms of, you know, right. trying to extrapolate for Bitcoin users. Also on the Coinbase side, I think it was like 80 to 90 percent of their of their users, uh, their volume is still driven through America. The majority of their of their their customer base is America. Um, and then another big thing is. They said the retail buying has been waning, right? First of all, retail, they're charging like 2% as a percentage of their overall sales. They're charging institutional like nothing. It's like 0.005% fees or something like that. Um, but one of the big things that they mentioned was they're holding $90 billion worth of assets for customers. Now, a lot of that's probably shit coins, but that's pretty fucking crazy. It, like, Percentage wise, like how much of that? Is I don't know. They didn't break it down, you know, but $90 billion. Yeah. That's fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, again, like, well, this news came out after the crash earlier this week, but we're still hovering uh, about 10% below highs right now, uh, below 50K. Uh, so you had that news. You had Square. Square's growth, going back to Square, like their year on year growth in. Uh, Bitcoin revenue was insane. In 2019, it was 177.6 million. Last year, it was 1.76 billion. Yeah. So you literally have like a 10x growth in in Bitcoin revenue for Square alone. Like you said, it's crazy. Like last year, their 50 billion dollar purchase when they did that, I believe in August or September, uh, got them 47 or excuse me, 4,709 Bitcoin. Again, 50 million dollars. Fast forward to this year, last month, I believe they bought. Uh, and they spent <laughs> more than three X, like three and a half X almost, $170 million. And they only got 3,318 Bitcoin. And then meanwhile, so yeah, they're hovering around eight, 8,000 Bitcoin. Meanwhile, right MicroStrategy comes in and buys 19,000 Bitcoin, bringing themselves up to 90,000 Bitcoin. <laughs> right. Um, fucking insane. The other thing with Coinbase that it, it behooves me to mention is if the freaks remember Brian Armstrong lied to everyone and told us that he needed to recoup costs and that's why he sold surveillance tools to the U.S. government for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, meanwhile, they had $300 million in profit last year and $1.28 billion in revenue. Like, fuck you. There's no way it was to recoup costs. Right. Ah, the naked mole rat. Naked mole rat. Yeah, so that's the big question right now. They're valued at what, hundred billion? Is it justified? I mean, it's gonna uh, it's gonna be even higher when this is all said and done. First of all, you think so? The stonks are all irrational anyway. They only go up. You know, the market's yeah. crazy. There's a huge appetite for for Bitcoin right now. Their ticker is gonna be coin. Um, you know, they're doing massive volumes, right. 
And like the the valuation, I wouldn't be surprised if it blows past a hundred billion. That doesn't mean that it makes sense to me or whatever. But you know, I think people should buy Bitcoin instead. Um, but to think that this isn't going to be like an insane blockbuster, you know, um, offering, I, I don't really understand exactly how the whole direct listing method works. Um, and how that's different from traditional IPOs. I know there's a couple different ways you can do it. Um, but I do think that at the end of the day, when all is settled, um, and they've been public for a couple of weeks, their valuation should be significantly north of a hundred billion dollars. I would agree. Chamath was freak. Sorry for picking my teeth while we were live. I forgot we were live there for a second. It's a poor form on my part. Pretty disgusting. <laughs> Hope we don't get screenshots of that. Uh, but I saw Chamath uh, tweeting out uh, he's going to use this as a barometer of whether or not direct sales to retail are are fairer than the traditional route or the more common route that um, that stock IPOs have. have been taking recently which is being underwritten by an investment bank and getting insiders in first so we shall see it'll be interesting well, i mean i think you know it, it is be- sorry yeah. i mean i i think you know it, it it's it's something that doesn't really uh move the needle much for me in terms of what is more fair to retail because the whole process in general is designed to really kind of just dump bags on retail regardless of the method you go through um, you know, there's a reason why I've always thought that accredited investor laws were fucked up and stuff like that, because you, you have these, these rich connected people who are able to get in early. And then by the time retail gets it, it's just dumping bags on them, regardless of the way you come in. Yeah. Yeah. No, and like all this pre IPO posturing and the, the buzz around it just like leads to an inevitable pump. Should you should, I just should we think, ninja launch IPO in the future? I just think companies companies are staying private longer. And 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 the reason they're doing that is because of, of so much regulatory overhead um, when they go public. Um, so they 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 squeeze out the the amount of return you can get from these companies has been reduced significantly because they wait until they, they go public. It it used to be they would go public a lot sooner, I think, in general. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a conversation we have again. Like, will we ever want to go public? I think we want to stay private as long as possible. It's just easier. The headaches aren't worth it. You, can, you could argue they can get more scale going public and cash out, but is that the goal? Is that what you want to do, cash out? And it, it was, like, surprising to see that they only have $130 million worth of Bitcoin on their balance, their treasury. It's like, you've been around since 2012, Coinbase. How have you not just been siphoning off some of the Bitcoin? Especially back, well, you should have acquired enough enough Bitcoin back then to just throw on your balance sheet and have sit there for for a decade to to be far ahead what MicroStrategy is and like yeah they're behind squared from a treasury perspective. It's Maybe, pretty sad. Yeah, no, because they can't even they can't even do anything with their custodial Bitcoin because other people have claims to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty it's it's pretty sad forget square it's pretty sad that microstrategy has that much more bitcoin than you coinbase um we knew we knew coinbase yeah. was short bitcoin um we had speculated that for a while but now we know that they actually were um i wouldn't be surprised if they made those purchases more recently when they realized that there was a public appetite for it and when they when they ipo it 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 adds valuation to them that they have it on their balance sheet this is what people want to see now so i wouldn't be surprised if it was a 
a more recent situation. And I wouldn't be surprised if they actually didn't put that much in and then it went up in value because we have gone up significantly over the last couple of months. Um, one other thing I'd mentioned from that Coinbase uh, S1 um, is Brian Armstrong has significantly less ownership than I expected. Uh, he has, he still has more voting shares. He still has, he's still the largest voting shares by individual, but um, Anderson Horowitz has a larger percentage stake of his own company than he does. Um, it doesn't I, surprise me at all. The cap table was something like, I think Brian owns like 22% or something like that. I don't want to kill my internet over here by checking. Um, but whatever it was, it was significantly it. lower oh. than I expected. And Does Fred Ersham still have... Uh, Fred Ersham only has 9%. Um, where was that cap table? Do you remember roughly? Yeah, it was the block. The block uh, pulled it out. I think. I think Larry called it out. Lawmaster. Executive compensation. But anyway, I mean, it doesn't matter exactly. I I know he made a million dollars in salary this year. Um. Yeah. So. But then he also he also yeah. Fifty-seven point six seven mil in uh, option awards, which is pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, he made fifty-nine million dollars last year. <laughs> Salary being being the the smallest contribution to that, but I, I don't know. I feel weird talking about people's finances. Um, the breaking news: shout out to Rob Hamilton at Rob One Ham on Twitter. Incredible freak. Uh, Cameron Winklevoss, one of the Winklevi twins, just announced that Gemini will be donating $1 million to the MIT Digital Currency Initiative to support open source development and advance the security of Bitcoin, the Bitcoin protocol. Um, so shout out to the Winklevi and Gemini for, for finally uh, joining the, the, the effort to help fund protocol development. It was harder to get out than it should have been. Any thoughts there, Matthew? Immediately off the top of your mind. Um, it's good. That's good to see. I mean, I know they wanted. Are you to looking do at the more. chat right now? No, I was trying to find uh, the Armstrong percentage, but whatever. It's not honestly. It doesn't fucking matter. Who the fuck cares? Uh, the the bullish thing is how many uh, is like just how much users they have. I think is like the most bullish thing for a, for a Bitcoiner, um, and and otherwise Coinbase can go fuck themselves. Um, I, you know, it's good. It's good to see Gemini contributing. Um, you know, we have on the we have on the list uh, Bitmex contributing to 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 um, Michael Ford, Fanquake again, Michael Ford, Fanquake. Um, yeah, and uh, see, that's their third grant they've given to him, and like they they're getting drilled by the U.S. government, and they're like in complete survival mode, and they're still contributing to developers. So it's good to see Gemini doing it as well. I think this was their second. Uh, Dev funding that's happened. Gemini's. Yeah, I think they gave to Brink. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, that would make sense. I can't confirm or deny that right now. I'm uh, ignorant to whether or not they did that. Uh, Fanquake, legend. Shout out to Bitmax, and oh, that's the other thing I wanted to mention. It was interesting to see uh, Arthur Hayes come out with a blog post a couple of weeks ago. We didn't touch on that. It's on the list. It's so good. The, right. 
Should we just go to it? Well, yeah, fuck yeah. It was on the list. Let's fucking yeah, so talk Arthur, about Arthur it. Arthur Hayes emerged. And uh, yeah, I mean, he wrote a pretty, pretty long blog post just on, eh, it's actually not too long, uh, now that I remember, on basically what's going on at GameStop and the two-tiered system and how the plebs have no power and they should just walk away. Take your funds and walk away. Don't don't support these companies and these entrenched incumbents who continually uh, just don't play by the rules, create their own rules, piss on your face, tell you it's raining, um, and and keep stamping on the little guy. And it, it was like I caught it right away when it came out. I think shout out to No Bullshit Bitcoin for for being right on top of that. I believe it's where I saw it first. Um, I was like, wow, he's actually like pretty ballsy to be writing this type of uh, blog post as you're as you're being investigated by the U.S. government. Well, I mean, it's his first statements in September when when the U.S. Gov uh, arrested yeah. his co-founder. Well, and he's is he a fugitive right now? Yes, sir. Or, yeah. Boss. Ballsy. I mean, for you freaks who don't know, maybe new to Bitcoin, uh, and new to BitMax and Arthur Hayes. They provided a service to the market that was <laughs> very much demanded, uh, but it was uh, illegally uh, questionable, especially in, in the eyes of U.S. regulators. They provided Bitcoiners with the ability to trade options, um, but they did it in a in a Bitcoin circular economy way. You can only uh, deposit Bitcoin and get paid out in Bitcoin uh, and, and trade using Bitcoin. You could trade other coins in Bitcoin on leverage, but uh, like an OG company in the space was the most popular options trading platform for quite some time. Uh, and for the longest time, you had no KYC. Uh, they, they have their blog, which is really good content. They've been contributing to developers, like we just mentioned, Michael Ford being one of them over the years. And uh, another thing that I really respect that they did is they were they were smart about their their footprint on the blockchain they, they had a way in which they would would issue withdrawals they did it once a day and were very cognizant of what do you mean by that why are you going this uh i thought it was smart i mean i it was it was it was it was cool it's it's a it's a smart way to reduce risk by just doing one withdrawal period per day um, because then you know that your keys aren't, you know, are only hot in that one period and, and you have a very set process to do it. And that's probably one of the reasons why they never got hacked. Um, so props to them for that. Um, the reason I said is because it wasn't really, and this is fine. They paid their fees, so it's fine. Uh, but, but to say they were good stewards of the blockchain is a little bit of a, because in their peak, it was like 9 a.m. Eastern, if you if you didn't get your transaction out before nine a.m. Eastern, you had to wait like two hours because they just slammed the chain with withdrawals. You know, like the fee pressure just <laughs> would go up at nine a.m. every day um, when those withdrawals went That's out. That's a good point. Yeah, but they were batching and stuff like that. Hmm. Well, anyway, Bitmex saga continues. They ran this exchange for quite some time. Americans obviously not allowed to use it, not allowed to trade it unregistered options uh, or unlicensed options. And so um, <laughs> the U.S. government came to find that at some point, at least, uh, U.S. citizens were uh, actively using the exchange. Um, in September of last year, like Matt mentioned, they brought a um, 
a suit against BitMEX and uh, caught one of their executives and co-founders, Sam Reed, uh, in Boston. He's been, I think, is he out of jail now? Is he out on bail? I think they still maybe have no? him. Is he still? Yeah, I thought he was out on bond, maybe. Um, anyway, and they're looking for Arthur. I think Arthur may be hiding out somewhere, um, trying to, to skate the, the long dick of the U.S. government. And, uh, yeah, he came out with his blog post uh, about seven days ago, probably right after we recorded this episode. And this is, like, <laughs> acting like nothing's going on. But, like, I, there was, like, a message in it, like, walk away from their system, but in the context of GameStop. But uh, y- y- it seems like there's, there's an underlying message in it all, like, not only walk away from these institutional investors and what happened with Robin Hood and Citadel and all that, but just in general, I'm um, away from this, this corrupt system that pervades everything. Yeah. I mean, he really channeled what we've been feeling for a while. And I think uh, the freaks have been feeling and, and they've been hearing on RHR. Um, but it was just, it was good to hear from a legend that we hadn't heard from in a while. And uh, it was a baller way of doing it. He didn't tweet it out. Like it just went on the BitMEX blog titled walk away. And he was just like, they're going to fuck you. They're going to fuck the little guys. Stop trading the rigged markets. Walk away. Use Bitcoin. Yeah. Arthur, if you're watching this, I doubt you are. I hope you're well. I mean, yeah, it's like, like you talked about it, like these, these laws. It was a free market. That's the beauty of BitMEX, right? It was like a true free market. People were putting their sats at risk on their own volition. Um, and it operated pretty well. Like it was at one point, like I'm pretty sure institutional investors from around the world were using it as their options platform because it had the most liquidity and the best options products on the market, even though it was legally dubious whether or not the service was, um, <laughs> was above, above the, uh, the, uh, above the table, whether or not be illegal or not. So that's yeah, a sad day. Like we talked about this when, all this stuff happened in September. It was a it was a sad day for Bitcoin when uh, when they finally got BitMEX. Now everything's KYC'd. Uh, can U.S. citizens use it? I'm pretty sure not. Even if you KYC, you can't use it. It's not registered. So I mean, um, the whole argument was they weren't following U.S. law. So what 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 BitMEX said was BitMEX said uh, we we don't want we're a global company. We're not trying to hurt the privacy and the experience of our users globally just for America. So what we will do is we will block American users via IP address. But in practice, what was happening was American users were just using a VPN to get around it. But in BitMEX's defense, they didn't want to block VPN usage because that's a pro-privacy feature for their global users. So basically what America is saying is, if you do not implement KYC on everybody, to simply filter out the Americans, then you're breaking American law. So, so basically, American regulators are compelling companies to put the privacy at, at risk of all of their clients globally just for the sake of blocking Americans, which is an extremely slippery slope. It's something we see um, getting implemented everywhere, uh, like across the board. And I have it on the list as well. I mean, fuck BitPay. BitPay can go fuck themselves. But they recently got hit with sanctions violations um, because they they had users that were buying from merchants from sanctioned countries. And that's why BitPay has since not only do they have to pay a big fine, but now they have to do KYC on orders. Anyone paying a merchant that's over three thousand dollars. And I think like KYC underneath that, 
And this is exactly why BitPay, uh, BTC Pay Server and other open source uh, tools are so important because if we have centralized third parties that are doing this, they're always going to get pressured by the long, the long arm of the U.S. government. Yes. Yeah. No, that's why BTC Pay Server exists. We are BTC Pay Server users. We recommend that, that any of you freaks looking to receive payments on behalf of a business, if you're a merchant um, or even an individual runs a blog or something like that, BTC Pay Server BTC pay server over BitPay and other centralized solutions every every day of the week, especially if you're comfortable uh, custodying your own coins. It goes straight to your custody. It's the beauty of the Bitcoin network. It's the way you should be leveraging the Bitcoin network. Um, have the, the BitPay settlement up. So it's a settlement agreement between the U.S. Department of the Treasury's Office of Foreign Asset Control and BitPay. So this is OFAC coming after them. Um, and... Let's see, BitPay agreed to remit $507,375 to settle its potential civil liability for 2,102 apparent violations of multiple sanctions programs. So Crimea and Ukraine, Cuba, North Korea, Iran, Sudan, and Syria were, were the countries where users of BitPay were, were accepting payments from. Marty, your mic's all fucked up. You sound like a robot. You sound good. Is it me. like a loose connection or something? I don't know what it is. Like, do I, do you do I sound good to you? No, That's my question. No, no, you my were choppy, breaking up for me. My choppy. But I thought own? it was my fault, but the live chat is saying that it's your fault. God damn it! Oh, the audio issues continue. I am recording live. Cuts in and out. Martin is la- lagging hard. It's not you, Matt. It's Marty. Okay. Maybe we should just end the live recording and keep recording by ourselves. Because I am recording locally, so it should be good. It's like the glass through Marty. Classy. Uh, I mean, you're recording locally anyway, right? Uh, yeah, I'm recording locally. So. All right, it's back to... Uh, my, mic's, my mic's keep switching. It's a mic switching problem. Uh, it's so annoying. All right. Is it is it lagging in and out for you right now? Yeah, I mean I can't I you're breaking up. You keep breaking up. All right. We're we're ending the live the live stream freaks. We'll we'll continue this uh off offline. Enjoy the thirty minutes that you had live and sorry that my mic doesn't work. I do need to defrost my, my internet. I'm sorry guys. This is annoying to me. Wait, Marty, As well. Marty, try cutting oh. your video before you cut the live stream. Does this work? Is this better? <laughs> no, that didn't help at all. Okay. Stopping the live stream. Sorry, freaks. <laughs> all right, we stopped that. For all you OGs listening via your podcast apps, you're getting that clean audio, so lucky for you. Uh, the What were we talking about, BitPay? Yeah, so they... It is weird. Well, maybe this is a good thing because it'll highlight the need for things like BTC Pay Server. He's still looking at the chat. Uh, but the, the chat can't even see us right now. <laughs> the chat's still going right now. They're like, why did you just cut the live stream? You're still cutting off from me. Am I? It didn't help at all. No? I don't know what's going on then. Goddamn fucking mic. Is it like, can you understand what I'm saying? No, I can understand what you're saying. We can just continue. I'll let you know if I can't hear you. Yeah, let's continue. It'll be good locally. Sorry. 
which is annoying. Uh, <laughs> it's the TFTC difference, freaks. Uh, we aim to please. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this BitPay situation just pushes people to solutions like BTC Pay Server. Um, it just sucks for BitPay because people are just not going to be able to use their service because they want to KYC. Could you see, like, OFAC coming after BTC Pay Server operators like ourselves? Uh, they they might go after individual BTC Pay Server operators. Like, I hope they don't. Uh, they might say to, like, someone like us that we should be IP filtering uh, before people give us shout-outs and stuff like that. I think it's a lot harder to enforce. I mean, they might go after people they really don't like or are doing very large volumes, right? But, like... BitPay is a centralized entity that they could hit just for everything instead of going after individual BTC pay merchants, right? Do you think do you think the the feds like us? Are we on their good side or are we on the naughty list? I don't know. Sometimes we talk a little flippantly. Sometimes. Do you have a VPN on? No. Cuz it disrupts too much. Hmm. It's just weird that it's just cutting in and out so much, but the show must go on. What's our next on the list? Oh, we're talking about BTC Pay Server. Let's just get to the the shout outs um, that were that were paid via BTC Pay Server, our BTC Pay Server to be exact. It's a good one for friends out there. Hey, Matty G, I know you're listening. I just want to say, nice work. Quietly front run the world. You and the other plebs will rise up. Bitcoin is freedom. See you on the other side of sat sent parody. This is one friend to another. This is very touching, very beautiful to see. Um, shout out to Maddie G. Maddie G, if you're listening, your boy or girlfriend, I don't know who it is, uh, bought you a shout out just to talk to you. So we, this is another instance, Matthew, of uh, uh, two freaks talking to each other and we don't know who they are or, or what their, their inside jokes are. Or, Marty, if, I feel like it's getting worse. What is? The audio? I mean, now that we're not live, should we try and troubleshoot the audio? Because in the beginning, it was good. Okay. And now it's All not. Right, do, what we're going to do is you keep recording locally on your end. I'm going to keep recording locally on my end. We're going to close out this, this, and we'll spin up a new Zoom chat. Okay, sounds good. Sorry about this, freaks. This is a very poor form. Uh, it's, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why Zoom, especially when we try to record live, messes up the audio. Like it's, uh, it's pretty annoying. It, it's not ideal. We're four years into this podcast, almost three and a half years. We should have these audio issues figured out. Sorry for the, uh, the slapdick nature of the operation right now. Um, but yeah, Maddie G., if you're listening, I hope it didn't ruin your shout out at all. Um, I hope that, uh, that it was good for you at least. And that, uh, your friend is, is happy with, with the shout out as well. Waiting for Matt to re-enter the room. Should have the zoom link. And I have my headphones on now for the audio that I'm recording locally. And it's coming in very clear. So, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what it is. Here comes Matt. He's coming back in. Joining. 
joining, joining. Connecting to audio. Maybe the CCP is fucking with us directly. Can you hear me? Yeah. Does it still sound weird on your end? It's still fucking up. What? I have my headphones in. Like, I can hear what it sounds like locally, and it sounds fine. Oh, no. Now you sound good. Okay. Okay. Show must go on. Shout outs. Let's hit it. Shout outs. Maddie G. You have a good friend. Maddie G's good friend. What are you what are you down what are you doing? I couldn't hear any of that. You couldn't? I mean I can hear it on my end. It's recording. God damn it, what the fuck is happening? Can't hear. You can't hear me. Hear nothing. Up, now I hear you. You can hear me okay. People are just gonna stop listening to this because we're we're doing this. This is annoying. Well no, we'll just cut we'll just cut this part out of the local recording. That's true. That's true. Because we're not streaming right now, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, is it okay to go now? No. You can't hear me. How about now? God damn it. There's n- Boom. Okay. Now I don't hear okay, you. I keep switching uh, from my roadcaster to my, my Brio mic. It's fucking picking up my camera mic for some reason. I don't know why. It's so weird. Tell- can you, does it sound fine through your your yeah, monitor? It sounds completely fine. It's not making it to the computer. It's not an internet issue. It's it's got to be an audio connection issue. It's Zoom. It's running through Zoom. And Zoom's going in and out from my camera mic to this mic. Um. Yeah. It's got to be an audio connection issue. Okay. What if we stop recording right now? together and then you restart your computer and then we give it another we give it another shot and that way it doesn't matter because we can cut out this end part of this of this local recording and stitch them okay. together let's do that but, yeah. right okay deal take three audio issues today freak sorry about everything that's going on here i think we got it together though is my camera mic that is causing the issue. So I unplugged my camera, uh, and Matt is just staring at a, a blank TFTC sign. Is, do you like this better, Matt, or do you prefer seeing my face? You know, it's been it's been two years of me looking at your face, so it's nice for a little bit of a change. Uh, you know, I like change every once in a while, too. All right, we're live again. We're recording Third locally. time's a charm. Third time's a charm. I turn my camera off. We think it was my camera mic that was continually cutting in. Uh, we're going to pick up back at the shout-outs. Uh, two, two shout-outs today. We're reading the second of two. It's a quote from a podcast I recorded last week. Uh, the rest of the country needs to adopt the Texas model of how they run their grid. It's just a pure free market. That was, uh, that was a quote from, I don't know if I said it. Did I say that? Let's see. Uh, there's a YouTube link in here. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, yeah, it was from the uh, the Mining Trends, Bitcoin Liquidity Crunch, and Money Printer Go Brr with the guys from Blockware Solution. So I think that's a jab at whoever said that, potentially me. I may have said that before everything happened there. Um, 
talked to Parker Lewis last week about what happened in Texas with that whole thing, and he was actually pretty proud of Texas. A hundred year storm, country of thirty or country state of thirty million people. Maybe that was a Freudian slip. Maybe Texas will be its own country soon. Less than a hundred people dying when you have those rolling blackouts. Three million people affected by those blackouts. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Matt, I think it's only you on screen right now. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is indeed. Um, I'm glad that 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 Parker and the Austin crew are doing all right. It it was pretty vicious down there. I think it's still pretty bad. Uh, I I did have a discussion with him, a great discussion with him yesterday on Bitcoin Magazine's live stream, um, for the anniversary of Gox. Um, yeah, no, that that's just pretty crazy. I was just a little bit distracted. Uh, cheers to the freaks with the shoutouts. I was a little bit distracted because uh, I just wanted to retweet the, the the new live stream link on twitter um and it, it's fucking hilarious let's be honest this is uh the freaks have been with us for years now um we're we're at 50k bitcoin and bitcoin might not go down but uh <laughs> our audio problems continue bitcoin never has audio problems bitcoin never has audio problems this is why you you, you stack sats and you don't stack tftcs you should stack TFTCs too. I was speaking out of my ass there. Yeah, sorry for the audio issues. The bane of my existence. I thought I was going to so- I was going to solve them with this this whole new podcast setup, and it, it seemed to have only gotten worse. Believe it or not. Uh, the shout out for the shout outs. Thank you, freaks. Shout out to Mikey G. Wherever you are, you have a good friend out there who's speaking to you via via RHR. Uh, we have no idea who they are. Uh, we were talking about. The fact that the price crashed earlier this week, and it was kind of ironic because the fundamentals are very strong. We talked about Square, uh, the fact that Michael Saylor bought another billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. One thing that we not touch yet uh, is the fact that Bitfinex and Tether settled with the New York Attorney General's office without admitting any fault. Uh, they had to pay something like an $18.5 million fine, which significantly lower than I would have expected. I don't even think that's a, a slap on the wrist. That's like a tap on the tush like a hey just don't let it happen again and uh and they didn't have to admit any fault so uh bitfinex and tether produced two million documents to prove that they had one-to-one reserve so i think the the fact that they didn't admit any fault means that the tether's fully backed one of the biggest uh, pieces of fud that's continually thrown at the bitcoin markets has been completely debunked by the new york attorney's general's office um, I mean, I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily that this means they're fully backed. Dude, um, why, why not? Look, look, I, 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 I've defended Tether way too much. Like I've had to deal with all this FUD for years. I have threads and threads. If you search on, on Twitter search is super powerful. If you search, um, if you search from, uh, Matt Odell from semicolon at Matt underscore Odell tether. There's just, you know, thousands of tweets where I was arguing with people about this shit and Bitfinex and his crew, they blocked me. They went private. So they like broke up all their threads and stuff. And like, they were wrong, right? They were wrong. You know, Bitfinex has said since $800, he sold his Bitcoin um, because tether was going to collapse the price. And even if tether is unbacked and fails in the future, which it very, very way, very, may well um that is bullish for bitcoin like people are just gonna fucking run into bitcoin in that situation so 
Um, they were completely wrong. This extremely is an extremely bullish situation because it de- it's a ma- major de-risking of the space. Like there's a lot of so-called sophisticated investors who were scared about Tether. And now that there's this no-fault ruling, um, no-fault settlement for nothing, like you said, $18 million is fucking nothing, uh, that it removes that risk for them. And you combine that with all the other bullish news we see, and it's really just prepping Bitcoin for this like massive fucking run that we already, you know, Capsodel has already been freaking out about. Um, and it just it just adds even more fuel to the fire. And it's just pretty crazy watching all these these guys that have just been super anti Bitcoin and have been running with the tether thing, just like in complete denial when this when this settlement came out. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I wonder what Bitfinex is doing. Do you think he's gone forever? Hopefully we can rid ourselves of that idiot. No, I'm going to die on this hill. Like, I think people (laughs) severely underestimate the fact that Tether has Bitcoin as reserves backing Tether. Like, the dollar value of that Bitcoin has been increasing significantly. So, like, I think there's an argument to be made that there may may even be, like, over-collateralized when it comes to it. But that was always the two sides, right? Like the side for me was I was fine with them holding Bitcoin as collateral because they're cut off from the banking system. And I think Bitcoin's the best collateral there fucking is. But to the Tether truthers, that's what they thought too, <laughs> you know? And they, they thought Bitcoin was going to go to zero. So it's, you know, backed by horrible collateral. So, so and, and Tether never admitted, has never admitted to holding Bitcoin as the collateral, right? So... Uh, there is that. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the whole reason Tether exists is because there's a massive banking blockade on American bus- on, on Bitcoin businesses um, globally. This is part of the reason we were talking about BitMEX, right? Like, th- this is how they pressure companies. Uh, BitMEX got around it by just having no banking relationships whatsoever. Um, obviously, that only lasted for so long. And Tether was the other option. Tether was the other option. You had all these exchanges that could pop up um, Binance in the early days had no fiat connections whatsoever. Like they just were able to use Tether as a connection. Pol- Poloniex, you know, where they were able to use Tether as a connection. Bittrex, they were able to use Tether as a connection. And then they didn't have to do the banking relationships. Basically, Bitfinex, who is also like the parent of Tether, created this situation where they allowed all these little exchanges to pop up um, and not have to deal with the the hard side of the equation, which was the the traditional banking side. So. So, so Tether by itself was always breaking the law. They, they, were, they were designed to circumvent U.S. regulation. Um, I never argued against that, you know, and that, that's something that, like, the anti-Tether people were always conflate. They would always conflate the two. Um, and just to be absolutely clear, like, I've never hold Tether. It has third-party risk. You have to trust them. Uh, the whole reason we Bitcoin is, is so you don't have that risk. But there's obviously a value prop for it. Uh, it doesn't compete with the regulated stable coins. Uh, it doesn't compete with future central bank digital currencies because it's black market money. It's a black market U.S. dollar, uh, gray market U.S. dollar that's designed to get around all the U.S. regulations. Completely agree. Yeah, I've never touched Tether either. Don't plan on touching it. It does exist. People do use it. It was interesting. They went up against the New York Attorney General and got like a t- tap on the tush, like, even though they are a black black market operation. Interesting. Interesting. They were able bullish to do that. Bullish as fuck. Excuse me? They're bullish as fuck. This is probably the most yeah. bullish news of the week. And there's been a lot of bullish news this week. Yeah. And then 
I don't know if I certainly want to consider this bullish news, but certainly a bullish driver. Uh, something that you don't have on the list, but I've been writing about this week is is the fact that inflation is peaking its head. So there's a few things going on in in the financial world that is really uh, starting to worry me. Uh, I warned about this of April 7th of last year in a, in the Ben uh, Rag issue. Uh, when we started the lockdowns and uh, the Trump administration and the powers that be were talking about helicopter dropping money into people's bank accounts, like uh, the echoes that, that this particular situation uh, has with the Weimar Republic. It's obviously not exactly the same Weimar Republic uh, post-World War One. They owed reparations. They weren't allowed to pay their reparations in German marks. They had to pay in uh, other currencies or gold. And uh, when they weren't paying the reparations back quickly enough, the French army came in and occupied War- the Weimar Republic. And uh, the, the rulers of Weimar Republics told the, the operators of the factories who the French were expecting to build stuff to start paying back reparations uh, not to go to work. And uh, when they stayed home from work, said, hey, you're not working. Don't worry. We'll print money and put it in your bank accounts. And that's ultimately what led to the hyperinflationary event in the Weimar Republic. Now, obviously, here in the United States, 2020, 2021, we're not in the same exact situation. We didn't just get out of a world war. We had the U.S. Uh, dollar as the world reserve currency. Uh, there's, there's very nuanced differences between the two situations, but there's also a lot of similarities, right? Like we shut down the global economy, but we shut down the economy here in the U.S. We'll focus on the U.S. Uh, last April of last year, uh, as you had a global supply chain crunch underway, uh, and the government decided to airdrop money. Again, $1,200 stimulus check, nothing too crazy. They also bailed out a bunch of people, gave out the PPP loans uh, and, and a bunch of other stimulus actions. And in April 7th of last year, I said, hey, this doesn't seem like a good idea. You can't shut down the economy, stop people from producing goods, uh, and then drop a bunch of money into people's bank accounts, whether it be via direct stimulus or the PPP loans and not expect the prices of goods to go up. And since then, like every once in a while, check in be like, Hey, it seems like things are getting more expensive. And then you have the Joe Weisenthal's of the world and the, the, the central bank academics of the world saying CPI is low. The fed coming out and saying, we need to increase CPI to higher levels than before. Uh, and then, then our, then our previous targets of 2%, we're going to try and overshoot that. And all the while, like inflation has been creeping up. Like these people are again pissing in our face, telling it's raining, telling us it's raining. And the if you go and look at the commodities prices on finviz.com, like it's disgusting how how, how quickly and how abruptly uh, prices have risen over the last year. So if you look at the price of cotton, copper, lean hogs, corn, soybean oil, soybean meal, oats, rough rice, soybeans, wheat canola, crude, WTI, crude Brent, gasoline Arbob, heating oil. All of these commodities are up significantly against the U.S. dollar. And meanwhile, the U.S. dollar index is sitting below 90, currently at around 89.89. And you have a, the fiscal side about to throw gasoline on the fire with even more stimulus, $1.9 as an appetizer and talks of like $4 trillion at some point further down the road. And then this week, this is like tinfoil hat is on now. It seems like the Fed is trying to hide what's going on 
they changed the way in which they're reporting the M2 money stock numbers from a weekly data points to monthly data points. Oh, I can't hear you at all. Oh, sorry. The live chat wanted me to pretend that I was talking while you were talking. <laughs> um, we have a lot of action in the live chat. I just want to say thank you to all the freaks who have joined us for the third take on the live chat. Um, for the for the people who are asking, the reason we don't have a camera on for Marty is because the camera was causing the issues. Uh, Marty, the 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 bent, um, that bent was like one of your best bents ever. You just like copied, you just you just pasted the the charts of like everything going up in price. Yeah. Kudos. No, and they're they're saying that there's no inflation. It's like how can you like? And that's why I said like I, I was drunk. Sorry, the bank got out so late last night. I was so busy, like I was pissed off. It's like people are and people are like people are parroting this. There's no inflation. There's no inflation. CPI's low. Like when the fiscal side comes in, that's probably when we'll see inflation. It's like literally shut your fucking mouth and open your eyes and just look at the charts. Like you have to be an idiot to not recognize that these prices are going straight up. And then. Like, just anecdotally, my parents were in a coffee shop, and my dad, over the last six weeks, has been forwarding me emails of their suppliers saying, hey, just uh, warning you, we're going to have to raise our prices 5%, 7%. Like, it's happening at the at the small business level, too. And this is serious. And again, the fiscal side is about to pour fire, pour gasoline on the fire, excuse me. I, like, And then I was pretty black-pilled this morning when I woke up, a combination of the fact that we missed our flight to, to Florida yesterday, woke up at 3 a.m. Uh, to drive to Philly from the Jersey Shore, showed up to the airport literally two minutes late. They wouldn't let us check our bags in. Uh, my wife was like, we're not torturing our son. We're going home. We're going to get the credits for the flight and go somewhere <laughs> another time. And so I was, I've been up since, I was up at 3 a.m. from 3 a.m. until 1 a.m., almost 22 hours straight. And like so, I had, and then I had to wake up. Uh, my son woke up at like seven a.m., so I got six hours of sleep after being up for twenty-two hours straight. And just thinking about this all this morning, like, and I was actually uh, telling. Wait, you're not in Florida? Morning. No, I'm in Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> <The>, uh, <laughs> I was telegramming with uh, Maddie Mazinkius from the um, from the uh, Crypto Voices uh podcast and like we we actually did the compound annual growth rate of the bls's report of the cpi versus shadow stats inflation numbers and it's disgusting like if you compound the annual growth rate over the last 10 years that the bls has reported they're saying that you've had 1.77 percent inflation over the last two years since 2011 uh, real estate I mean, stocks university prices everything uh says so that uh it's bullshit that everyone knows true. it's bullshit Anyone yeah. who's got a fucking brain knows it's bullshit, right? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, Marty, I just want to be clear here. Like, I was giving you the benefit of the doubt because I thought you were staying at some place in Florida, and that's why you were having these issues. So now you don't get that benefit of the doubt, but you do get the benefit of the doubt if it sounds like it was a very, very long night. Um, so very, I'll give very, you that. Very long day. Now I, know why, now I know why the bent went out at midnight. <laughs> yes. Had to work on top of all of it as well. Got a podcast in with Lynn Alden. Did a clubhouse with the oil and gas industry. But no, like back to this inflation stuff, it's infuriating. Inflation isn't here. Inflation isn't here. Maybe it will show up when the fiscal side starts stimulating. It's like, wake the fuck up, people. And the fact that the Fed is changing the way in which they're reporting this M2 data, again, has my tinfoil hat on. Like, what are they trying to hide? Are they worried 
that if they were to report this data weekly, that it would be such a shock to the market that that they couldn't allow it. So they need to extend the amount of time between data points so the market doesn't get too freaked out every week. Um, It just happens once a month. And then they they start with like the monthly and then they're going to like be like, oh, we're going to switch to quarterly and then we'll switch to yearly or whatever. Probably. It's like a slippery. So I like, like, thank God we have Bitcoin. You know, if we didn't have Bitcoin, I'd be fucking freaking out right now. You know, I'd be like sounding the alarms. Inflation's here. They're lying to us. We need to solve this. Where is it fucked up and stuff? But instead, I just stay humble, stack sats. I'm just like, you know, it is what it is. If you don't want to listen to Caps Odell, then I don't know what to tell you. Well, that's why it was probably a combination of exhaustion and just frustration with, like, again, the, the media class and the, like, the academic economic class really parroting this line that there is not inflation that we don't have enough inflation really angry angered me and then like had the black pill moment where like i'm worried for a lot of people it's like fuck like people aren't prepared for this a lot of people take what these idiots are saying at face value and like yeah everything's fine everything's fine don't worry and it's going to sneak up that's the thing it's going to fucking sneak up and people aren't going to be prepared for it which makes me worried which is why we do this show stack sats I don't want to HFSP people, Ryan fan. I have the I have the comments open. Okay. I uh, well, that's good since we don't have the you don't have the video. You should at least have the comments, uh, the live chat open. I uh, I, I like what Rodolfo is saying now. Instead, of, it's have fun, have fun buying higher. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting was on my conversation with Parker yesterday. I asked him, you know, Parker has this great blog series, gradually then suddenly. Um, and I think a lot of people think like Caps Odell means that we're in the suddenly phase. Like it doesn't like Parker agrees with me. We're still in the gradual phase when the suddenly phase happens, you're going to fucking rip your face off. So, um, I know the I freaks we're, are prepared. We, we're just preaching to the choir here. I think we're, I think we're ending or we're nearing the end of the gradually phase. Honestly, like the, the fact that the fiscal side wants to throw this 1.9 trill stimmy on the markets with another four trill down the road we had another repo spasm uh, a couple weeks ago and if you go listen to the conversation with with lynn that i had yesterday she does an incredible job of breaking that down it's not exactly like what happened in 2019 it's actually the opposite there was too much cash and not enough treasury duration matchup uh you had fedwire go down all day yesterday and another pump in GameStop. Like, there's like all these tremors and these alarms going off, at least in my head. Maybe, again, maybe I'm too tinfoil hatty, tinfoil hatty and like paranoid, but like, I don't know. It seems like something's going on. Yeah, I mean, something's obviously going on. We've been, you know, we've been saying this for years. So, this is why, this is why, this is why we Bitcoin. It's one of the reasons we Bitcoin. Bitcoin is hope. Um, Bitcoin allows you to opt out. Bitcoin's a lifeboat. Um, and, uh, I'm just super grateful we have it as, as an ability to, you know, not have to participate in this fucking ridiculousness that is going on right now. And it's just, it's done in such a bad faith way. Like I just... Like there's few people talking, few, there's few people talking about this in, in, in any kind of good faith. It's gaslighting. It's straight up gaslighting, dude. In which, like, the whole controlled demolition 
conspiracy theory starts to like make more sense. Like, cause if you actually like understand what's going on, if you actually just look at the charts, like it's obvious that they're lying. Like all you have to do is again, shut your mouth and stop parroting what they're saying and open your eyes and look at the charts. Like prices are skyrocketing. It's, it's, it's weird. The, the psychology of it all uh, on a mass scale it really freaks me out. Uh, I don't know, Marty prices seem to be going down for me. Ha <laughs> ha. I said, your cuck bucks, not, uh, it's getting you more sats this week than it did last week. So be aware, be aware onto, onto more white pilled stuff onto building onto optimism. Yeah. The 10 year yield that spiked up this week too. It's fucking, oh God damn it. All right. Good stuff. Let's talk about the good stuff. Teleport transactions, coin swap implementation, well, pretty massive. Well, before we talk about that, I mean, I think we should talk about Taproot real quick. Uh, a bunch of freaks okay. were asking us to talk about it again. I mean, we talked about it last week. I don't know exactly where the confusion is. Maybe they didn't listen to RHR. Um, but basically, there, there's this discussion of, of this lot value. Um, and you can either do lot equals false or lot equals true. Um, and there's two questions. There's, there's a question is, what should the default ship as? Uh, for core Bitcoin core uh, and alternatively regardless of the default what should individuals choose to run um, and basically lot is lot equals false um, has the miners activate uh, taproot um, lot equals true says at this date we're going to activate taproot regardless and if if you if you haven't then there will be a fork in that situation um, well, there's the, there's more nuance right like Lot false is purely minor activated soft fork. Lot true is minor active soft fork. If they don't activate it, you get the user activated soft fork behind it. There, well, I mean, if the miner's activated first, then okay, right? But it's it's just going straight into a user activated soft fork if it's if it's lot true because it, at the end of the day, like the miners know, like at this date, it's going to be a UASF, right? Regardless. Yeah, but they could. So and then there's a middle that. ground, right? But that's not giving them an option. That's just saying, you know, I have a gun to your head, comply or you'll get shot. Yeah, that's a good point. So so then there's a third option where you go lot false. You let the miners see if the miners go along with it. If they play fucking games and we want to be conservative, they play games that in the future we can go into lot true and then we can force the hand. So yeah, I mean so to be clear here. Like it's a very dangerous precedent, I think, for core to ship default lot true. I think core needs to ship default lot false because otherwise there's a perception, rightfully so, I think, that the devs are forcing or pushing this decision. They're they're pushing this decision as a as a fork as a default, um, this soft fork as a default. Um, at the same time, though, if core ships lot false. Doesn't mean there won't be like a bunch of toxic Bitcoiners who will manually switch to lot true. Um, so anyone who's considering as a miner, considering not activating in the allotted time will take that into consideration and they'd be encouraged to obviously go along with it to, to not create disruption. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense. No, I agree. Yeah. The, the lot true is, is a gun to the head. And yeah, it's weird. Like a lot of people are attacking developers and like, we're going to, and everybody like, oh, we're going to use their activated software. We're going to use their activated software. Like I said last week, like, I don't, like, I don't get why 
everybody's so up in arms about this. Like, I think it's going to be pretty easy. Like, I don't think, I don't see any miners actively posturing. Like, they're not going to activate this. I think we're making something out of nothing, potentially nothing. And yeah, like you said, like, lot false. If the miners don't activate it, then, then you can have the user activated soft fork. I think, I think part of the issue is that we don't have like a set way to handle this stuff. So like, I, I, I would like that in the, in the future, we have like a process in place, which is this process. I think you go to minor signaling first and if the miners don't activate, then, then you can do a user activated soft fork afterwards. Yeah. Um, I and think then we don't even have to have this discussion every time. Like we shouldn't be discussing activation methods every single time we need to activate a soft fork. It, it should be or important. consider activating one. I think there's an important distinction to make here too. Like I think maybe there's a, a belief that with lot false, you're you're abdicating the decision to the miners, which to a sense is true, but like it's really like a preparedness thing, right? Like you just want to make sure that the miners are ready to upgrade so there's not a chain split. You don't have some hash going off on one chain and then, uh, another part of the hash hash rate going off on another like like it's a preparedness thing not a power thing is that a correct it's also, framing yeah i mean it's also just nice that you just have multiple parties all agree on something in a process right so the devs ship it and then the miners agree and the users are running their nodes at the same time and you know all these different user groups are all you know coming to terms with it and agreeing with it on on a schedule and it happens um, I, I would say like metaphorically, the difference is coming a lot true off the bat, especially default core is like holding a gun to their head loaded, um, you know, going lot false with the intention of going lot true if we have to in the future is like having a loaded gun in your holster, you know, like it's still there. You still got the fucking gun. You can point it at them in the future if you need to, but there's no reason to just go straight to pointing it to their head if you don't have to. Yeah, especially considering the precedent that's it. Yeah, I think we're in agreement here. Um, lot false, lot false with a separate user activated soft fork if need be. I just want to say um, there's two people who have really embraced the caps uh, on Twitter. It's our our boy Brian Lockhart and and Lop Lop has fucking gone all caps. <laughs> like he 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 went he he sent one out yesterday or today. It was like. Lot equals false. Send tweet all caps. Just fucking send it out. It's all that. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on team lot false. I'm on team lot false. There's gonna be a bit of controversy. On I, I uh, think I think I think if a user wants to go lot true, that's one thing. Like I might go lot true myself, but I think core ships lot false. Like the the default should be false. You'd have to create your own binary to do that, wouldn't you? There's someone's gonna do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's they'll the they'll be you, the version that's that's lot true version, and they can't config it right, so you could pick in the release, right? Uh, they can't I, make it I, optional. I would like I, I I prefer if there's like a toggle in the fucking release. To be honest, like an easy way for someone to do that. I don't know if they're doing that or not, but that would be the best to me. You default it to lot false, and you make it easy for someone to enable it if they want to. That would be the safest way. In terms of you don't have to have users downloading from some other source. You know, they know I'm going to download core from where I usually download core from and I just enable one way or the other. Yeah. I think that would be the best. And, and personally, I, and, and I think that's the cleanest going forward 
You know, you have a new thing you want to activate, you ship it, and and users can choose if they want to go user activated or not. Right? Yeah. I agree. We're in agreement here. And again, like I think we're making a lot out of something that doesn't need to be a lot. But hey, these are the tough conversations that need to happen. The important thing For- is these like we love Bitcoin. Bitcoin is scarce. Bitcoin is hard money because it's hard to fucking change. Right. Like this is not Ethereum. We can't just ram an update through everyone. And that's fine. Like we can wait. Like if Marty has to pay the million sats to HRF because we don't activate till January 2022, so be it. You know, like it's not the end of the world. This, yeah, this is true. I'll be happy to give up those sats because it's going to a great organization. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I would never, <laughs> I would never uh, try to uh, pressure the network to do something because I'm going to lose a bet. Yeah, this is it is hard to change. This is actually maybe we'll look back. Um, a few years from now, maybe Taproot won't be activated. Maybe it will be, regardless if it is or isn't. We'll we'll look back and and be happy that it was this hard to to come to this decision. Yeah, so it proves that Bitcoin is hard to change, which reinforces its whole value prop. Ah, God, I fucking love Bitcoin. I fucking love Bitcoin. Thank God we have fucking Bitcoin, dude. You know, like it's just invigorating at all times. These conversations, uh, getting into the arena of ideas, whether it be on Twitter, on the mailing list. Not that I participate in the mailing list. I'm too intimidated. Probably not wanted there. Uh, other forums. It's beautiful. It's beautiful chaos. Beautiful rough consensus. This is what it's all about, freaks. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Soak it in. Now can we get the teleport transact? Fuck yes. Let's go. Yeah, so we've been following this since last May. Chris Belcher announced last May that he had designed a spec of an implementation of CoinSwap, an idea that has been around since 2013, I believe. Greg Maxwell came out with it in 2013. I mean, the same. It was like similar timing as CoinJoin, right? Yeah, around then. Um, I think Greg Maxwell proposed this idea with somebody else. I forget exactly who. Uh, it sat there as an idea. Uh, in the internet for seven years. And then Chris Belcher said, hey, uh, I think I have a design spec for this. He went out and raised some funds so that he could focus on it. In December, he uh, teased the world with the first ever coin swap transaction on Testnet, or multiple transactions, actually. And then last week, uh, he announced on the mailing list that he has a, a working uh basically wallet implementation called teleport transactions. I'll let you take it from here, Matt. I mean, he's, he, he did his own test via testnet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think implementation has been released yet. Um, I think it was more of a, it's like built out, not used yet. The way I understand it. Um, one thing that was interesting is he mentioned two elements there, uh, it, it could be a standalone implementation like something like join market or it could be built out in a way that that it could be easy to implement into other wallets and i think that we need that second one right like we like really the power of of something like coin swaps becomes um really practical and and useful at scale if we get it implemented into into the major wallets 
uh, and then people don't even really, you know, and, and then that way Chris doesn't have to deal with UX and stuff like that, right? Because let's be honest, like UX isn't Jordan Market's strong suit. It just needs to be like a very strong a transaction format, interoperable implementation that can just be put into any kind of wallet. Yeah, completely agree. And so the way CoinSwap is different than a coin join, right, is a coin join is you mask your UTXO and a bunch of other similarly or exactly sized UTXOs in, in a transaction. You, you get uh, privacy via obscurity. You don't know. You, you join in this coin join with uh, same size UTXOs, and it's hard for the <laughs> chain analysis companies to, to actually decide uh, which UTXO you own at the end of the day or the others in that, that coin join owns it makes it harder, especially if you do multiple rounds, uh, coin swap, uh, it allows you to create a transaction in which you can send different, um, different amounts of Bitcoin, uh, in a, in a private fashion. So you, you send to two address and like, how does it work exactly? Matt? Okay, like so you, you say that you're sending it, from A to B, but it, in reality, it ends up in another wallet. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so this is the metaphor. You ready? Let's see if this metaphor works. Coin join is you have five people. We're in a room together, five people. We each have a gold coin. We put it into a smelter, and we melt that gold, that gold, all those five gold coins, and then we pour them into five new gold coins. That's a coin join transaction, Okay. Uh, a coin swap transaction is you give me your gold coin, I give you my gold coin. Yes. So the the negative of a coin swap is since you gave me your gold coin and I gave you my gold coin, I you're trusting me with your privacy. So in order to implement it in a uh, trust-minimized manner, you basically need to do multiple coin swaps in a row so that you might know the next party, but at the end of the day, when it goes through five coin swaps, you don't know where the last, where it ended up. You, you don't have to trust anyone with your privacy. As long as one person in that process was, you know, you know, not a civil attacker, not a, not a malicious attacker. Thank you for bringing that Does that, that make sense? Yes, makes a lot of sense. Dope. And then you can combine coin swap, coin join, join market, all these Marty, solutions. Marty, you're not allowed to look in the live chat. Excuse me? You're not allowed to be in the live chat. That's just me and the freaks. I didn't look at the live chat. I wasn't in there. I'm. I, you commented. I tried my best here. I see your comment. I did try my best. <laughs> On to software updates. A lot of software updates. A lot of big things happening. Spectre version 1.2.0 has been released. Shout out to the Spectre team. Anything big there that you want to mention? Uh, no, I don't have anything on the updates. I've been too okay. busy. Onion Chair version 2.3. Well, you're going to have to explain this one because I haven't seen Onion Chair on the list yet. What is it? Oh, Onion Share. Or- I actually can't talk about that. That is a big one. Uh, the Onion Share. So, Onion Share is this piece of software that you can run on your computer. Uh, historically, it was used for two main things. Um, you could share a file. So, like, if I wanted to share a file with you, let's say this podcast recording afterwards. I'd run it and it would give me an onion link and I would give you that onion link and then it would just automatically transfer encrypted via Tor the file between the two of us with just the piece of software. Pretty cool. Um, And then it also allowed you to host like a static Tor website. So like if you just had a website that was like 
HTML or plain text. Uh, you can just put it into Onion Share and you can just host it from your computer, just any computer. And it gives you an Onion link and you all of a sudden you have a tour only website. So really fucking cool little piece of software. He added a new feature where now you can uh, P2P direct chat uh, privately via the Tor network, um, which is, I, I, it seems, it's just a really slick, um, really slick way to take advantage of Tor's features uh, in, in a UX, like very UX forward friendly way. Oh, yeah. Like, what's going on with Tor? Can we trust Tor anymore? It's the best we have, but Is don't uh, don't think it's perfect. Don't treat it like it's perfect. But I, I, I don't. I think if you're not running a hidden service, if you're not running like a dark market or something, um, it's you know it, it's probably it's probably private enough for the overwhelming majority of users. Um, we don't see like widespread de-anonymization of users, especially if they're staying within the Tor network. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the freaks know I have my concerns with it. I just, there's nothing really um, usable at scale besides it, so. Agreed. That's like one thing I've noticed actually using Brave as my browser. On Mac Mini, I got away from Chrome. Uh, it makes it a lot easier to just, like, get into Tor. No? So that came, oh, out, that came out this week. I forgot to put it on the list. Oh, well. Thank God I brought Fucking... it up. What's going on? Tor, uh, so I always thought one of the coolest parts of Brave was that they had the Tor browser built into the private, like incognito mode. It turns out they leak all of your Tor traffic to the DNS provider uh, <laughs> over ClearNet. They just patched it. So if, if, any, if you've been using the Tor feature on Brave, uh, oh, there's been like a major activity privacy leak to, um, us- I guess your ISP usually is, is usually your DNS provider. Awesome. So that's not great. Yeah. No, happy I brought it up though. Now I know. <laughs> well, it's supposedly fixed now, but I like they have a horrible track record. The problem with Brave is like they have reasonable defaults and it's pretty cool in terms of like I like that it's a stripped down version of Chrome and it's got ad block and stuff, but there's just not enough eyes on it. There's not enough eyes on it and I really question the uh motivation the motives of of the team over there i mean uh what's his what's his name the guy who invented uh yeah brendan ike like he's just like like he's he's a he's a bit of a dirtbag you know like he like he's just trying to monetize you he's got like binance ads when you create a new tab and shit crypto.com ads and shit um so i it's it's the the incentives it's not it's not proper open source software it's just like it just seems wrong yeah Maybe I got to try out the center now. Gabs you got to get Chromium. You got to get uh, Chromium. Just de-googled Chromium. I'll I can download up. that on my Mac. I don't need that on Android. Correct. Awesome. Moving on. Ride the Lightning version 0.10.1 has been released. Go down that. There was actually something pretty big in that, wasn't it? They add bolts or something. Bolts compatibility. Yeah, I think they integrated swaps into there. Yeah. Do you see Bosworth fucking flexing on people again with lightning? No, oh, what was he like sharing his uh his routing node? Well, first of all, people yeah, so I and to the freaks that are unaware, I've said in the past, like it's you know, Alex Bosworth is like legendary in lightning. He's like uh 
you know, I'm, I'm one of the main Lightning developers. He runs some of the most connected nodes. Um, nodes in uh, Lightning Pool, where the liquidity marketplace, are ranked on a score method called the Boz score, which stands supposedly for balance of Satoshis, but it's also the first three letters of his last name. Um, and he, he oftentimes tweets out like how much he's making in routing fees, and it makes people think they can get yield uh, easily from running a private, you know, lightning routing node. Um, and I always think that's misleading because he's super well connected. Um, and the average user is going to be going through Tor only, and it's way harder to have a performant routing node if you're going through Tor only. Um, but anyway, uh, and also I just think it's this idea of trying to seek yield on an asset that's designed to pump forever is ridiculous. You know, like you're, you're talking about like, oh, I'm going to, I want to get 6% on my Bitcoin. And meanwhile, it goes up 20% one day, drops down 20% the other day. And like, meanwhile, you're like trying to get 6% or 5% or whatever. Like, you fucking ridiculous. Um, no it's, a, it's a new risk. paradigm. That's ridiculous. What? There's no counterparty risk. There's counterparty risk if you use Lightning. If you have a watch. There's now. definitely risk. Okay, besides the point, I'm just saying this idea, this yield idea needs to be like nipped in the bud a little bit. This this idea that like the, the base yield of a deflationary asset is holding the deflationary asset. The risk-free rate of return is number go up, is, is just the number going up. And, and the return is going to be unfathomable for people that we don't realize how high the number is going to go up. If you want to try and get 4%, uh, on Lightning, two percent on Lightning, or or six percent on BlockFi, and keep it with a centralized custodian. I guess fine, fucking go for it. But it, it's 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 a dumb fucking decision as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, that's besides the point. Uh, Alex tweeted out like he has a he has a channel that's that that's got a capacity of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, um, <laughs> and he's like he's like it really hit me when you sent an instant payment worth ten k how transformative lightning was and i was just like are you this is like the i i don't know i just flex it was just a funny tweet that is a boss flex shout out to alex i mean he's forging the way he, like his first mover advantage is going to be pretty significant that's what he said he said 10k for 10 cents instantly settled transformative that's insane 10k for 10 cents what is that point zero 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 one three zeros do I, don't, math. I don't pretend to do math live on RHR. I'm opting right. out of that. I think I got it right. I think I got it right. Uh, moving on. Hexa Wallet version 1.4.5 has been released. Disclaimer, Matt's an advisor of this of this software. Uh, they added buys, didn't they? They've, they've they been in there what? for a while. Yeah, buy Bitcoin with Apple Pay. That's what they added. That's pretty big. They added, it's called Ramp. Have you heard of Ramp.network? I have not. Neither have I. Uh, but it has Apple Pay support. Pretty low fees. I think it's like half a percent or something. Yeah, Apple Pay, debit credit cards, and bank transfer. That seems pretty big for Hexa. Um, Samurai Dojo version 1.9.0 has been released. If you freaks are using Whirlpool, we highly recommend that you use your own Dojo so you're not um, depending on uh, somebody else's node. Uh, if you're not going to download your own, at least use somebody that you trust. I mean, I like the Samurai team and everything they built, but just to live within the ethos of what we're doing here, don't trust, verify for yourself and try to abdicate that risk to yourself or um, a very 
trusted individual that you know and can trust, uh, an Uncle Jim, if you will. Uh, anything about this dojo upgrade that you want to talk about? I don't think. No, I didn't really. I haven't dove into it yet, but it, it seems so, like a good one. I mean, they're they're making great strides just in terms of performance and uh, reliability. Yeah, I think they're. It's just UX improvements from what I can tell. My node version zero point two point two seven has been released. If you're running my nodes, go check out that. Sparrow Wallet version one point two point zero has been released. You had Simon on on Tuesday. I wasn't able to check that episode yet. How was it? Not Simon, Craig. Um, good Craig. Good Craig. That's who. It was. Not bad, Craig. Craig Raw. First podcast ever. We're... <laughs> How did so? That's always. Uh, it was great. It was a good conversation. I, I think Sparrow's completely underrated. Um, the freaks should go listen to that dispatch if they haven't. Uh, it, 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 it caught me off. I mean, I think it caught you off guard too, right? Like Sparrow just hit us, it blindsided us. And it's yeah, just the first clean. time we talked about it. I was like, how have we not seen this? Yeah, it's performant. It's clean. The UX is, 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 is great. Um, I, this guy, like he, he's a massive adversarial thinker, adversarial thinker. Um, which is what we want to see in the space. He comes in as a NIM, which is also, you know, pump the NIMs, let's fucking go. Like, I, I, I'm just super bullish on Sparrow. Um, it was really great to have him on. He's from South Africa, so he, our live stream literally started at midnight his time um, and ended at 3 in the morning, so uh, prop, props to him. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just... I, I, I'm just really blown away by Sparrow. I think it's a great project. Craig Raw. Sorry for calling you Simon. I don't know why I thought your name was Simon when, there for a second. Well, that was because the week before I had the mempool guys on, which was Wiz and Simon. That's what it was. That's what it was. There you go. Um, Blockstream Green adds encryption to the wallet metadata. Finally, big update. It's taken them a while. Um, so this was, now this was my update. Blockstream servers doesn't know your labels, correct? Uh, yeah, they knew they would know your labels and. Yeah, your account labels, They're, like all the metadata, they that all the metadata wasn't end-to-end encrypted. Now it's end-to-end encrypted with your seed, um, and the big one was was the account labels, uh, w- which would automatically they still automatically get restored, but now they're end-to-end encrypted with your seed uh, before they weren't. And if you update, it will automatically delete your clear text ones and replace it with the end-to-end encrypted ones after you update. Um, but this was massive. This was uh, a, a thing that I've been asking for for a while, so it's really great to see. How can they replace that? Like, would they have to know it? To re- I mean, wouldn't they know it if they replace it? Well, when you update, then they intend to encrypt it from that point on, and they delete whatever they had previously. Okay. Okay. Right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um... River, shout out to our, our boys at River, Alex Leishman and crew. They raised $17.3 million uh, to, to build out the rest of their product. Um, Massive. It's a, I mean, base team building a product from scratch. They're, they're handling all of the security, the, the custody of the Bitcoin. They're, they're onboarding customers, educating them. So I'm very happy to see that, that Alex and his team are, are getting support from investors. Uh, they need to get into more states. Uh, they're pretty limited in the amount of states that they're available in right now. And so hopefully 
Um, they could take these funds and and go hire people to get expansion and build out the product more. Very very impressed by the the River team and they're they're pretty based and very aligned with Bitcoin's ethos. So, congrats to the River team. Keep crushing it. Yeah, cheers to them. I fucking their product seems fantastic. I obviously haven't gotten to try it yet. Um, because of the states, uh, I mean, they're not available in New York yet. Um, but, uh, and to be frank, honestly, like I'm not going to sign up for another KYC product, but it seems like they're building great things. And, uh, so cheers to them. Yes. Uh, big news for you. Bottle pays back, baby. Bottle pay is back. How's it feel? Disclosure, Matt's an advisor of bottle pay. Um, they fucking, I had to sit on this fucking shit for a while <laughs> before it got released. But, uh, dude, the VC market is frothy as fuck. Bottle pay raised 15 million, 15 and a half million at a 70 million valuation post money um, for a company that hadn't launched yet, hadn't relaunched yet, right? So they, they relaunched um, basically as like a, cash app strike hybrid kind of deal um so it has full lightning integration uh with withdrawals and deposits um but it also has uh you know you you can do hourly auto stacking you can do daily auto stacking you can do weekly auto stacking um you can do like cash app you can send you know euros or pounds eventually dollars between accounts um or you can send sats um so it's like a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty massive goal they have. Uh, and they're going right now, they're UK only. Then they go EU, then they come to America. So they're going like in the opposite direction of cash up and strike. Yeah. I mean, I was a huge bottle pay fan before they had to, uh, they didn't really have to. That was the admirable thing about what they did. They shut down because they didn't feel comfortable. Um, thrusting all the regulations on their clients after having been using the app for so long. So they shut down, recalibrated, and now they're relaunching with uh, with a an adjusted roadmap, and it seems like a pretty dope one, like you just mentioned. And, yeah, I'm happy for the, for the team, for you. Disclosure, Matt's uh, an advisor. Uh, uh, nah, it's just good to see good people succeeding, and their product was dope before they had to. Uh, again, they decided to shut it down, not had to. Yeah, I mean... That 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 is you know and it's it's super commendable and I I'm, it, I I want to see more projects do this in this type of situation but they they got they had a KYC free product uh, that never interacted with fiat it was just easily sending sats between people uh, using Lightning and using social media handles and uh, AMLD five in Europe. Uh, got you know they also have like the brexit they're a british-based company they also have like the brexit things happening at the same time right but at the time they were eu um because they were in in england and uh amld5 happened they had to implement kyc uh by a certain date i think it was like january 15th or something of 2020 uh which feels like a decade ago um and uh instead of doing shotgun kyc people have funds on the thing and make them make them do KYC to withdraw. They said, we're closing down completely. They returned all user money. They 
they stopped all their momentum. They had like a ton of fucking user momentum of using it. And now they came back and, you know, it is a KYC product because they have to do KYC. But they were like, if if we're going to do KYC anyway, we might as well just go go ham on 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 the fiat integration side. Right. So they built this and it's very similar to, to River or or Strike in that they built out a proper connection um, to the fiat world. So like other companies, they're not relying on a third party to handle their fiat to Bitcoin and their Bitcoin to fiat. So they will be the, you know, the integrator. Like if, if, if another app, some like random finance app wants to integrate sats into their app, they can do it all through Bottle Pay's API. So there's this whole uh, like corporate integration side and they basically just were like, you know, KYC sucks, but we might as well lean into it if we're going to be forced to do it. Dev suites, smart idea. Again, freaks, I'll keep beating this dead horse until it turns into a zombie and, and attacks the the creator that made it. KYC is completely ineffective. AML is completely ineffective. The people who thrust these rules on on the globe, on everybody that lives on this planet, break these rules consistently. Again, we lived in a two tiered system. The people implementing these regulations don't follow them usually. They buddy up with people like Jeffrey Epstein, like uh, the Mexican drug cartels, other pedo and drug dealers. And uh, they let them do what they want to do while me and you uh, can't send $3,000 worth of Bitcoin to each other because that's just that's just not, not good. You can't have the plebs sending $3,000 worth of cuck bucks or 3,000 3, cuck bucks worth of sats <laughs> to each other without knowing exactly who they are. We need to be able to track them in case they get out of line, right? We need to be able to track everything they're doing to prevent money laundering. Every pleb is, is convicted of money laundering before they even do it. You're, you're guilty until you're proven innocent. You got to give up all this personal information. You got to give it to the banking and financial system that can't even keep their systems up. You got to give it to them so they can store it in their, their insecure databases that have been prone to hacks throughout the years. You got to give them where you live, when you were born, your social security number, a picture of what you look like, the addresses uh, that include the amount of Bitcoin you hold in. You got to give this up for your own safety. Give it to them. They want to protect you. They care about you. Give them all this information. They love you. They don't want to butt fuck you into the digital panopticon at all. That's not what they're trying to do. Just give them the info. They need it. They need it to keep you safe, freaks. Fucking need it. Give it to them. It hits different when I can't see your face. <laughs> yeah, what is this like for you right now? Uh, it's a little bit strange. I mean, it's fucking hilarious. The freaks are only seeing me, so I'm just they like when they hear you, they're just looking at my my reactions to my reactions to I guess <laughs> you and the bit. live chat. Because I am I am like, watching the live chat. I'm your inner voice. You're just having a conversation with yourself right now. That that is basically what isn't that what we've been doing for the last two and a half years? <laughs> um, I have a random topic that I wanted to bring up. Okay, uh, uh, we've got ten. We got a hard stop at like three fifty nine, so like nine minutes. But bring it up. What? I've got a call. That's why we started recording early. I yeah, but you're supposed to tell me about the hard stop before now. All right, let's get into the topic. Did we hit? Did we hit the rest of the list? Okay, yeah, so we, we just Gladstein's um, article. 
can government yeah we only have bitcoin? one thing left yeah gladstein's article go check it out can government stop bitcoin he did it in i don't know how to pronounce the the brand quillet 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 so go check that out it was a good piece as usual from gladstein um the the, the subject i wanted to bring up um is trace mayer came out of hiding um <laughs> He literally came out of hiding a year to the day after his last tweet, um, before he went dark. So he got, he was he was he was caught shilling, like the most bottom tier shitcoin ever. This this mimble wimble privacy coin. After he was shaming Bitcoin privacy activists a- advocates, myself included, and saying like CoinGerm was illegal, all this shit. And then it turns out he had this privacy bag that he was shilling, which is. The biggest hypocritical thing ever, because like if, if your argument is that coin joins are going to be illegal, uh, your fucking privacy coin is going to be illegal as well. So like if, if that's if that's the argument, like you've fucking lost already. And then it turns out that he was shilling the shit coin. OK, fine. I understand, guys. Trace has done a lot for the space. So then he like he should acknowledge that and he should he should, you know, fucking apologize and ask for forgiveness and explain himself. But instead, what did he do? He was a coward and he fucking disappeared. And a lot of people said, a lot of people said, oh, he's doing it for OPSEC reasons. Well, here we are at 50K a Bitcoin a year later, and he's doing just a Coindesk interview with like the worst person ever, Tim Swanson. Tim Swanson. Who called, he said, I didn't understand economics at fucking $200 a Bitcoin when I said people should fucking hodl Bitcoin. And he was like, you don't understand economics. And to this day, he's like, even though it went from $200 to $50,000, doesn't mean that you should understand economics. Okay, Tim. So Salty Tim was on the feed with him. Tim, uh, Tim this, looks like he has infant alcohol syndrome. And Trace just didn't acknowledge it whatsoever. Yeah. And if it wasn't, like, I, I, I hope that the high mind would have noticed, but, like, I was fucking on that, like, a fucking, like, if Trace thinks that I want to fucking forget that shit, like, he's out of his fucking mind. Like, I, I was like, I started, I was like, what the fuck? He just, he just came in just to talk about Tether. Just, like, out of nowhere. Um, so, so, I mean, look, Trace, if you, if you want to come back into the public square, like, can we have some acknowledgement of what happened? Can you discuss what happened? Can you talk about the mistakes that were made? Um, because obviously Mimblewimble is garbage. It's been going to zero since you shilled it. Agreed. And you're talking to somebody who's sat down with Trace face to face multiple times, had lunch with the man. It is extremely disheartening to say the least. Uh, perplexing, and then it makes you think, like, what is your motive? Like, do you really care about Bitcoin? Like, like you need to man up about this. Like, it, it was ob- objectively a pretty shitty move. Uh, I mean, pretty public. Like, American Hoddle uh, reported on what exactly happened at the Confiscate conference last year, which is, like, he pulled... Hoddle aside, said, hey, you should be buying Mimble Wimble coin. <laughs> I own like a vast majority of this coin. It's going to pump. Uh, well, you realize again, what happened like, there, right? Yeah. Like Matt mentioned, it was on completely false pretexts and completely hypocritical. Because like if Mimble Wimble coin was going to succeed, uh, like it would have the same uh, scrutiny as, as coin joining would. If you were even believe that coin join is... Uh, illegal in the first place, which it isn't. Yeah. Yeah, no. Trace, um, if you want to come on and discuss, the invite is open. Like, we'd love to, to have a heart to heart and bring you back into the fold if, if you're, you'd be so willing to 
apologize for for being a bit scammy. Just to be clear here, like people say to me, like, "Oh, he's done a lot. Like, we should forgive him." Like, you don't forgive someone until they like acknowledge what happened and ask for forgiveness. You can't just disappear and and fucking like that's not how things. That's not how mature adults fucking deal with things. That's not how people who respect their audience fucking deal with things. Um, also, just to be clear, like American Hoddle gets a little bit too much credit for calling out Trace. Um, <laughs> I noticed. I know. I noticed Trace was doing this anti-privacy shtick, and something well, he did was it on suspicious. TFTC. Yeah, I know he did without me on it, and and he did it on Stefan's podcast, and he did it through the at Bitcoin handle, and the culmination was at Unconfiscatable. He did it live on a video with American Hoddle and uh, what's his face, Adam Meister. And they were like, they were like, oh, I wouldn't coin join. That's like you're doing it with North Koreans, like, and all this shit. And I took that video and I posted it on Twitter and I was like, this is fucking cuck mentality. And then coincidentally, like an hour later, American Hoddle called out uh, Trace Mayer. So there's a little bit of uh, peer pressure there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Matthew. Matthew. We all know you're calling this out as well. Group effort. It was a group effort. Yeah, I'm just a voice in your head. Like I can see the YouTube right now and you're just sitting there and I'm just like... I mean, we should do like a skit out of this or something uh, at some point. Just spitballing here. I've got to run in three they, minutes. What should we end it on? Um, Count Bitcoin said he was the one who called him out on Adam Meister's show in the comments. So cheers to Count Bitcoin as well. Um, I mean, can you hear the heat on that just turned on? Like it's like sounds like a loud vacuum ish noise. No, no, I can't. Okay, that's good. Marty's owl, I will never hoot. So forget about that. That's never going to happen. Um, Apparently, we're going to be on 60 Minutes this year. Marty, we are going to be on 60 Minutes this year. We're going to call Anderson Cooper a cuck mentality. Um, That was fucking hilarious. Uh, I want to ask you... um, what What do you... Do you think... RHR next week, what do you think? Are we going to be over 60K by RHR next week? You're always the bullish guy. I'm going to be bullish. We're going to be 65K by this time next week. Book it. There we go. Co-signed. Book it. Freaks. They're gaslighting us, freaks. They're lying to our faces. They do not care about you. They do not care about me. They are lying. Shut your fucking mouths. Open your eyes. Look at the charts. Stack sats. Enjoy your lives, too. Go go forth. Multiply. Raise strong families. Be the change you want to see in the world. I love you, freaks. Stay humble. Stack sats. Peace and love. What's up, Rick? It's your boy Marty here to apologize. Feel very bad for messing up the audio. Three and a half years in, I need to do better. I need to be better. As my good friend Crypto Graffiti would say, this is very low T of me. To strive to be high T. Need to be better.
I want to be better. I will be better for you, Fruits. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to up my tea. My low tea is going to turn into a high, high tea. Okay? Love you guys. Okay.